Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. Kirsten, did you know this is our 13th episode? Lucky 13. Has it gone by kind of fast? Well, I think so. I, it's probably been really long for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Do we have anybody still listening after 13 episodes? I think so. I hope. Yeah, they're called episodes. I yeah. said episodes. Yeah. <laughs> You're struggling with that one. Episodes. <laughs> episodes. 13. You know, is some people a, say 13's unlucky. Yeah. Do you think it's unlucky? Well, no, I don't. I I don't have any problem with thirteen, but I do remember I had a friend who lived on the thirteenth floor of an apartment a place complex in Kansas City, and so I met her at the front desk, and and she goes, okay, and we get in the elevator, and she goes um, thirteen, and she turns to me and she goes, I know we live on the thirteenth floor, but guess what? We get a discount. <laughs> I think they got a. No one wants to live on the 13th floor. I think they got a $150 a month discount yes. to live on the 13th floor. Yeah. But I found out after that, I guess I didn't pay attention until then, and I was well into my 20s or 30s, that most buildings don't even have a 13th floor. I mean, obviously they do. They just don't number it. They 13. go right from 12 to 14. They just kind of so skip we, it. Should we skip this? This is actually going to be our 14th episode and we're going to skip 13. Well, I don't think any of us are really superstitious. Let me ask no. you something. Would you live on the 13th floor if it came with a $150 discount? Oh, I know you would. Of course. <laughs> You're all about a discount. I would probably have no problem with it. Abby? What? I, yes. I convinced myself a long time ago that 13 is a lucky number because I was born on the 13th. Oh, and we so, are lucky to have you. <laughs> we are lucky to have you. So you declared 13 a lucky number because that's the day of your birth. That's the day of my birth. Oh. So I, I, a long time ago, I researched a bunch of things about uh, the significance of the number 13 and I found all the positive ones and I was like, see, 13 is lucky. So did you ever have like a Friday the 13th party? Uh, never. Well, yeah. Birthday parties. Yeah. It happens every few years. Yeah. It lands on a Friday. Oh, fine. And I love when it lands yeah. on a Friday. I'm not superstitious. That's but awesome. When it lands on a Friday and there's a full moon. Yeah, it doesn't that, bother me. Okay. So, so this is not a superstitious crowd. So this, no. we have no problem moving forward with this, this podcast. This is episode 13, <laughs> folks. <laughs> you know, my 13th year of life, I remember being a pretty good year. I don't remember... Anything I'm, I remember, it feels like for me every year gets better and better. You thirteen know would have been your first year to be a teenager. Yeah, it was you a good year. It? I remember thirteen being a good year. You know what I was doing at thirteen? No recollection of being thirteen. <laughs> you know, what? You don't remember being thirteen at all? You don't have any memories? I don't. I mean, at this very moment, I could not say, "Oh, this is what happened in my thirteenth year." You would have no. probably been what an eighth grader, seventh, Maybe. eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade, eighth grade, probably. Okay. My eighth grade year was a good year. I, I, you know, I, my kids didn't seem to ha- struggle with junior high, but I, I don't, I didn't like junior high at all. I think I was one of the typical, let's get rid of junior high and move on. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about you. You didn't like junior high? Maybe I did know that. I mean, I don't have any really like traumatic memories of, 
of junior high. I just, it was one of those, you know, I think it's just a hard time for every person at, in that stage of life, because some it's totally fine, which I believe, I don't know for sure. I believe our boys came out unscathed of their junior high, middle school and junior high years. But I don't remember any of those years being like super amazing. Well, junior high is awkward for boys because they don't understand why they're four foot nine, but their shoe size is 13. (laughs) 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 They don't don't get it. Like what's going on with me? Um, You know, at 13, um, this past Sunday, I was talking about growing up at church and doing Christmas cantatas and, and, uh, the whole Christmas celebrate. I don't know. I grew up in a church where we had big musicals and it was in an era where the cantata, you just named your life an era, the cantatas, the Christmas pageants, the Easter cantatas, everything was a big deal in our church. I grew up in music was a huge deal. And I think it was when I was 13, I was in one of the Christmas productions, because I was in a ton of these growing up. But I think that might have been the year. Maybe I was a little bit younger. I can't remember now. It all kind of blurs together. But that was the year we were doing this big production at our church. And I forget what role I had, but I had to I had to move from one side of the stage to the other. And I had to navigate around 50 choir singers. And um, in our church, we had a ramp. All the stairs were covered with ramps. We had ramps going up to the stage. And we were doing this big dress rehearsal. If you've ever done a big production dress rehearsal, there there's many people in the dress rehearsal watching as anything else. It's the full on thing. And, and I was trying to move around in front of the choir and I lost my balance. And I tripped and fell and I hit the top of that ramp (laughs) and I rolled all the way down the ramp in front of all these people. Uh, And I wish I could. I was so caught off guard. I was like, what what happened to me? And so I only did the only thing the 13 year old brain can do. I just, I yelled, wipe out when I hit. (laughs) They stopped the whole production because of you. Because I, I, I was an America's funniest home videos moment. And that encapsulates, um, probably one of my biggest fears as a preacher is falling <laughs> falling on stage it's never happened there's two there's two big fears that preachers live with it's down. it's tripping going up the stairs or falling in front of the whole church and at, or preaching for like 10 or 15 minutes with your zipper down you didn't even know it <laughs> i think i and there's something to that because i mean well i had a professor teach one whole class the entire time <laughs> with a zipper down how come you didn't tell them I sat in the front row and I was sitting in between two boys and I felt like it was their responsibility, not mine. <laughs> and I can tell you who I was sitting next to. No, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you need to name names. We need to protect the, the innocent. <laughs> Should I tell you which professor no, was? No, 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 don't say. He, and the problem was, is that he was a rocker. He rocked. So the floor Oh, he rocked. Heel to toe, heel to toe. Closed. Open and closed. I remember this story because you told me. because The entire 90 minutes. Because I think we were dating back then and you said he put his hands in his pocket. Yep. Which kind of made it kind of spread out. <laughs> and he, he kind of rocked back and forth. It was like, like barn door open and closed. Barn door I looked to the guy next to me. I was like, aren't you going to say something? And then I looked at the other guy. I was like, come on, someone's got to say something. I had a teacher one time that sneezed really hard and a booger <laughs> flew out of his nose. And landed in his mustache. 
<laughs> it was a big one. And it captivated the whole school, like the whole class. The whole hour, I could do nothing but stare at the booger. <laughs> it is <was a> mustache. <laughs> Oh my word. Did you, uh, Kirsten, did you do Christmas cantatas, Christmas programs growing up in church? I'm sure you did. I know that I went to a private school. We had some Christmas stuff there for sure, um, which was all about the real meaning of of Christmas. But at church, we didn't do big performances because we had this really big thing called Bethlehem Fair at our church. Um, My mom actually started it. And it went on for, I want to say, 25 years. And our church was known for it. But we took our building and we completely created Bethlehem in inside the building. So what would so, people do? Come and walk through it? Yeah. So it was a walk. So outside we had camels and we had... Um, a uh, donkey um, or donkeys. I don't know how many. And uh, so we created like kind of a stable looking thing. And then inside you would walk through the streets of Bethlehem and there would be a carpenter and there was a basket weaver. There was a cheese maker and you could sample the cheese. You could watch the guys um, creating, you know, wood spoons and bowls. And um, there were kids running around the streets and there were people begger, begging for money. And I mean, they really tried to create this atmosphere. So we brought, I mean, it took them forever. I to remember this because your parents were still doing this when we got married. Oh, really? And That's I think, crazy. weren't they? I remember one yeah, year probably. going to it. And it was a big deal. It made the papers and everything. It was, it was a big deal. And it, there were people would drive for hours to come to this Bethlehem Fair that our church was known for. It was a huge outreach. Um, it was fun for us to put on. And we still have you know, great memories of being involved with it. But we would do it, I want to say, for an entire week. It wasn't just like a, a weekend thing. We would do it. And um, people in our church would sign up for different characters and um, they would bring them into the auditorium and kind of give them an introduction and then they would open the other doors and you'd they'd walk through the streets and so we had to stay in character all the time and talk to them like we were in that time frame and um, and then it would end with uh, baby Jesus Mary and Joseph and um, so and we always had live animals we always had a real baby we didn't use dolls we had real characters and um, someone I mean my my like I I said my mom started it of course it didn't start probably the way it ended because it probably started on a more uh, lower budget side of things but then it grew it became huge and they had sets built and they would cover the entire ceiling of our church in like this stained tea cloth um, material so that it everywhere you would look looked a little bit more authentic and not Oh well, I see that light there on the ceiling. It wasn't like that. It was they really changed the entire building. So it was just this long walk through, and I still have great memories of that because it really kind of that was. <laughs> you made fun of me a few weeks ago about saying something about how they lived in tents <laughs> because I still think of the streets of Bethlehem like when they built they used the sticks and all this fabric and they were you know creating the the feeling of Bethlehem you know as best as we could with. So, the- so it brings up good memories for you. 
Oh yeah, for sure. It was a, it was fun. It was a big deal at, at our, my home church is called Fox Valley Christian church and it was a big deal back then. So it was, it was a really cool experience and I don't know where my mom got the idea, but one day she threw it out there. She'd been in charge of like VBS and stuff and said, Hey, instead of doing this, here's an idea. And, and it just took off. It's your mom's super creative. She is very creative. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think we did anything that elaborate growing up. We just did the big Christmas performances, children's programs that you do in front of the whole church and Easter cantatas. And, and I remember some years they were so big. I mean, you had orchestras and string, I mean, everything. And I remember one year and I don't know how old I was just, I think this is junior high. I think most of my good stories happened in junior high, but I was, <laughs> We had the whole, like, I think the junior high and high school youth group put on this Christmas thing. And I remember it was a Sunday morning and we, the whole stage of the church was risers, three or four, five risers high. I don't know how many kids were out there, but I was on the back row with a friend of mine. And, um, I don't know why we did this, but right in the middle of the singing, we just hopped off the back of the risers. There was gap. (laughs) There was a gap between the risers and the back wall. You're like, not needed and we right realized now. that we could hang out behind the risers there was enough bodies in front of us no one would see us back at least that's what we thought so we just hopped off of there and we were clowning around behind the rise right in the middle of the church right when everybody's singing and there was a door that opened to the back of our stage and we're back there horsing around we're just having the best time ever because we didn't think anybody could see us and this was so much more fun than singing and <laughs> i don't know what we were doing back there just jumping around and being stupid and then all of a sudden that door on the back of the stage mm. flings open the door couldn't be seen by the church either because it was hidden by the risers and the most angry looking dick williams came out of that that's my dad came out of that door and he goes joe get up on the riser right now Ooh. and it put the fear of the lord in me <laughs> he was so angry i don't know how he saw us but he saw us from the from the congregation's point of view he saw us clowning around back there or he saw you missing i don't know but anyway we hopped up on there real quick and i heard about it i i i know oh, i, I got punished i don't remember what i got punished but i for clowning around but anyway i I have really good memories even falling down the ramp or clowning around with my friends behind the risers during a performance and i mean i just have good memories of that stuff my favorite christmas performance is actually in a movie i know what movie you're gonna say it's 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 the best it's it's got to be one of the best movies ever and most people when we tell people about this i think we're talking about the same movie they've they've like act like they've never heard of it Well, it wasn't very popular in the theater. Um, I remember going to it in the theaters with my sister, and I remember where I lived. I lived in Oregon, and so it was back in 98, 99, and so it was only in the theaters for a short time, but I'm telling you, you wouldn't even think that it's a Christmas movie either. I mean, what did we talk about a week? I don't or know so if it's ago. a Christmas movie. There's a lot of Christmas it, stuff in yeah, it. Yeah, but you had said something about your your dumb movie being a Christmas movie, and I was like, that is not a Christmas. movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, wrong, wrong. So this, I don't, I wouldn't call it a Christmas movie, but there's some Christmas season in it, and it's fantastic. Are you going to tell them the movie or not? It is on my top three list. 
Top three movies, Simon Birch. Simon Birch is a good movie. Now, I am not telling you you should go watch this with your family because Joe has used them as a like a illustration in a sermon and he kind of made it sound like it was a Christian movie. It is not. Um, it is a really great movie, but there are some cuss words, so I don't want to promote too much there's, of there's, saying like, yeah. you should go watch this because there are some It is definitely PG-13. It's a PG-13. Oh, is it PG-13? I'm pretty sure it's PG-13. But they have this Christmas it's hilarious. scene at the church. And it They're is doing the Christmas the cantata. Best. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the best Christmas cantata. And it it is the a parent's nightmare. It, it is. is. It's if like you if, were in the audience and that was your kid. Well, you know, it's from a parent's point of view. If it could go wrong for the for the director, it's it's misery. But for the parents, it's hilarious. And these kids totally mess up and oh, fr- from the, the get go. And we I don't want to ruin it because I really it for you. want you to go watch it. I think it's one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It is. It's it like I said, it's one of my top favorite movies. Um, and I I actually invited all my life group girls over one night so that we could watch it together. And it's such a great movie. And that scene in the movie, the uh, the Christmas cantata is... And, it, the, and it brings out <sighs> it, it brings out memories and stereotypes because every church has all these stereotypes <laughs> in it. You know, and, it, and, and they're exaggerated, of course, but it's... I love it. It brought back a lot of good so memories. So go watch for me. that movie and let me know what you think. Yeah, watch Simon Birch. I think it is the best. And if you don't watch it during Christmas season, that's perfectly fine. Because, like I said, it's not really a, a Christmas movie. But it is a movie though that um, you will be laughing your head off one minute, and a minute later you'll you'll need to clean axes because it's a tearjerker. So, but it doesn't don't, end. It's, don't tell them that. I'm not. No, it's one. It, let I me just say, the life group girls were really mad at me. No, no, no. <laughs> they were like. No, no. The movie will go through every range of emotion. You know, it's not, you're going to be so happy. You're going to have these warm feelings. You're going to be sad. You're going to be heartbreak. Then you're going to be joyful. It just goes through the whole, it's a great movie. Do I dare tell him who's in it? Well, the narrator. Go ahead. You would never expect this person to be in this movie. What's his name? Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey. I was like. It's one of his earliest movies and he's. He doesn't play a huge part in it. It's a pretty um, small role for him and he is not like he's in Liar Liar. So it's not like that. But But he primarily narrates. He narrates the movie because he plays a younger version of himself too. So anyway, go see it. Let us know what you think. And, and if any favorite. of you would ever care to share with us your Christmas cantata stories growing up or anything like that, feel free to email us at, uh, at uh, new life NWA slash dot com slash it's under the hood at new life. NWA. Oh, I was giving in the website. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, where are we going? With no, no, no. This? It's, it's, sorry. No, why you tell it, them. It'd be helpful. <laughs> if we knew what we were doing here, but on this, however episode, you, we ha- however you want to share it with us, We'd love to read it. So where do they send it? <laughs> Under the hood at newlifenwa.com. We'd love to hear your Christmas story. I loved your illustration this last weekend about the shepherds in the field and uh, they were watching over their flock and that uh, they were told that there was a savior and that Jesus is for everyone. That whole illustration that you talked about, I just, I really thought it was neat how you even brought it back, like um, Jesus being the shepherd and that Jesus is for everyone, even the, the position that they were in. I guess it was considered a, a lower lower end job 
um, being a shepherd, which to me, that's kind of a high end job. Because if I was in charge of a whole bunch of animals, we'd all be in trouble. But um, anyway, I just thought it was kind of a cool the way you the the way that you said it. Well, thank you. You're I'm welcome. impressed you remember my sermon so well. I'm impressed. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got most of those details right. <laughs> Well, you know, most people probably don't know, but I run, um, most of the time I'm in charge of our online service and kind of what I don't, I don't produce it, but I do a lot of the chatting and stuff like that with people. So I'm constantly chatting with people who are on Facebook or on, um, what we call our online platform and stuff. And so I'm doing two things at once here. I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of things like listen and chat and interact doing two things at once for some people is kind of hard. (laughs) Well, I, I, I love preaching about the shepherds and in case you're a first time listener, maybe you're not connected to our church. I'm in a series right now called the cast of Christmas Mm -hmm. and we're going through all the major people in the whole birth narrative of Jesus. So like the prophets and the angels and the shepherds and, and so forth. And so we were talking about the shepherds and, um, yeah, I love preaching about it. I've preached about the shepherds many times, and yeah, you have. every time I go back to that text um, in Luke two and revisit it and really try to reabsorb it, I don't know. I always seem to the Lord shows me something new, mm-hmm. something new, or or He'll guide me to some commentary or somebody, and 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 I'm like I never thought about it that way. And you know, I can tell you exactly what hit me different, and I've never, I've it, I've never preached it this way before. Um, and it's probably because I haven't really visited the shepherd story that much since I preached through revelation, but a couple years ago, I preached the whole, um, chat, the whole, uh, book of revelation, which was an eye opening experience for me. I've never done that before. And I learned a whole lot, but, but, uh, um, there is this part where, um, where the nativity is told through us through the eyes of a spiritual realm in Revelation chapter 12. Mm-hmm. And and in Luke 2, it's the nativity through the lens of the gospel and of what people see. But but Revelation 12 teaches us there's this whole spiritual thing going on. And having that in my mind, you know, and I've all I've joked with people's like, man, if you ever want to spice up the the Christmas story <laughs> with your kids, um, tell it from Revelation 12. Don't tell it from Luke 2. Instead and, of opening to Luke 2 today, we're going to go to Revelation 12. Right. And and I don't want to unpack the whole thing. Anybody can go online and listen to that series that I preached a couple years ago. It was appreciated during COVID. It was all online. But it's Revelation 12 and 13. That's the sermon you want to look to but it talks about how satan who was the dragon was there wanting to to destroy the savior right and um and really this the anyway it's i I don't want to unpack all of that but but it it, is many people look at that and go that's the nativity Mm -hmm. through the lens of the spiritual world Mm -hmm. very much the the devil wanted to destroy jesus really before his life or ministry ever got started and so with that in my mind from earlier and i come to this um, text in Luke two and and the the angel appeared with the glory of the Lord and then that angel was joined by a heavenly multitude and that word multitude means army mm-hmm. troops of heaven mm-hmm. troop of angels and it just it it kind of hit me weird and and again some of this is speculation and I, I even told the church this over the weekend this is some of this is speculation because I I know that the enemy wanted to destroy the Savior you know um, right from the beginning and then all of a sudden this heavenly army shows up 
at the announcement that Jesus was has been born. Why this show of force? Why this massive show of force of angels? One angel could perfectly announce the mm-hmm. the uh, the birth of Savior. Then you have how many? How many was? Was it the entire armies of heaven, thousands upon tens of thousands, like what John saw in Revelation, or was this, uh, you know, you know, w- one platoon? I don't know. One platoon. <laughs> one, one. I don't know. What company are you in? One company of it. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, like some of this is speculation, but the thought hit me. What were these angels doing five minutes before this? So when this one, and again, total speculation. I don't know if any of this is right, but it just makes me wonder because as you put more pieces of the Bible together as the fuller, broader understanding of how all the scriptures sync together in harmony. So if the dragon, the devil was there wanting to destroy Jesus from day one and one angel is in the field announcing, was this heavenly army fighting back the forces of the evil one? Mm -hmm. And then when that was over, they came and announced and they sang glory to God again, who knows the Bible doesn't say that exactly, but I just was kind of captivated by this show of force Mm -hmm. from the angels in Luke chapter two and how that would have been completely overwhelming. And I'm just wondering, you know, this army of angels was there at Jesus first coming. We know he'll be there at the second coming when they Mm -hmm. absolutely obliterate the enemy and I mean just it was just an awesome idea mm-hmm. to just kind of explore um, don't know if I'm right or not but I mean obviously I know what the Bible says and but when I just think about the nativity through the lens of the gospel is what we have right. in Luke 2 and then we have the nativity through the lens of the spiritual world in Revelation 12 you harmonize those two together and you just kind of go hmm interesting I love it I love it don't, you know, maybe I'll find out in heaven if I'm onto anything or not but but yeah, I love preaching about the shepherds, and I love showing the video from Israel. That oh, was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. A lot of people ooing and eyeing about that. I, uh, I when I shot that video back in 2017, I never once thought that I'd be showing it in a sermon. So the video was a little shaky, but I just showed how from the shepherd's field where the the angels announced the birth of the Savior mm-hmm. um, was just you know less than two miles away from the birthplace of Jesus, and mm-hmm. and you could clearly see where the church and the nativity is from the shepherd's field. You could see the the path they would have gone mm-hmm. to where Jesus was or the general vicinity, and and I likened it because uh, to the cross because the when I was there, they were doing renovation work on the church of the nativity. And so the crane above the church looked like a big cross. And so from a distance from the shepherd's field, they looked like the cross over the birthplace of Jesus. And I just had this like aha moment, you know, at, you know, Jesus was born, but he came to die, really. Mm-hmm. Just as kind of this, I don't know, had just kind of Full a circle. half jaw open kind of yeah. aha moment. It was kind of awesome. Yeah. But I can't wait to go there again in June. We're taking yeah, a group up there in June uh, from the church. And and I'm looking forward to being back in the shepherd's field again. And Abby's going. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's going to be an it's going to be an amazing trip. We have a good size group going. And so it's in the be... service I was in, when you said we're going next summer, I heard a lot of you're like, are we going to? That's right. Hey, and if you're listening to this, you want to go, uh, we have, yeah, uh, we can get you the information. Up, yeah. yeah. We'd love for you to go, but it's going to be an amazing trip. But, but then the shepherds went and then, um, just the thought process of, of how incredible their journey was. And it's just like our journey. Mm-hmm. They were given the information about Jesus and they were given the invitation information and invitation, but yet they still had to choose in faith to go see Jesus. That is our journey, isn't it? Uh, that we have given the good news, 
We've been offered the invitation. We must respond in faith and go be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then we're just like the, the shepherds afterwards. We got to go tell everybody about it. Go tell the world, everybody who listen um, about the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. But you had started this, this part of our podcast by just saying Jesus is for everyone. And I think the yeah. shepherds shout that truth. Yeah. I mean, absolutely shout that truth. For sure. They were the average Joes of the biblical world. In fact, they were, they were looked down upon and nobody really wanted to be a shepherd. They were kind of lower considered. I hate to talk this way, but they were considered lower class citizens. Nobody really respected the shepherds. So just the fact that they, they were the ones that had this special moment. They were the ones that that were first, the very first people to respond to Jesus in faith after his coming were shepherds. And what an awesome, well, and I love that you had said, you know, and he is our good shepherd and he's the one who, you know, I just love that the whole picture, that whole idea of it. The coming of the great shepherd yeah. was first announced to a group of shepherds. Yeah. What a visual demonstration of what Jesus would become. Yeah. And the fact that these were just average guys, everyday citizens, where in the world are shepherds ever going to have access to a king? Uh, did you hear, you heard the part where I joked about Sunday about, or this weekend about, um, the king, the monarchy, and how you just love yeah. <laughs> how you just love the, the the royal family. The royal family, yeah. And you would love the chance to meet them someday. Visit Buckingham Palace and do I all pick their brains. <laughs> pick I their know, I wanna know what they what they really think about Harry and Meghan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can believe everything you read in the press. I know. Like, so I told the church, the closest we're going to get to the royal family is on Netflix. That's right. And and you're watching the new... Well, and they've been such a private family for so many years. And so this is really Meghan and Harry turning their back on the royal family. If you visit our house today, you're going to see on our Christmas tree the newest Christmas ornament. The latest one of Kirsten's friends got her a big old ornament of the queen <laughs> and it, and she put it she went she was so excited so excited to get this ornament and and she's like um I took a picture right you had the biggest smile when you put it on the tree and it is dead center right it's perfect so as soon as you look at our tree you can see the queen is hanging right there at eye level she's perfect we're it's gonna like, need that in the show notes. I know it is the <laughs> perfect ornament I absolutely love it and so it was really tickled that my friend got that for me and thought of me when she saw it and I was like oh, I have the queen on my Christmas tree so yeah. and it is the queen there is no, no doubt yeah, about it's it it's not a small ornament it is the perfect size but you but, know yeah. in, in real life Life, if the queen were still alive now now king charles you and i are never going to meet king charles no, you, we're, to. we're you don't want to no <laughs> i'm not meaning this disrespectfully and i don't really want to meet his wife either so but jesus is still for king charles i know i mean i mean i don't created know in god's image jesus I don't know is for everyone even king charles yep. but you know that's the and camilla <laughs> Well, okay. Well, coming back, you should see the look on Kirsten's face right now talking about it. I joked with the church and I said, um, I said, I'm not going to watch that Netflix special because I just don't care. And then I yeah, thought, you are. well, then, and then I was like, well, I'll probably end up watching it because Kirsten will kind of like, it would really mean a lot to me if you would, if you would watch this with me. Well, 
it, you're going to have to rewatch it with me because I've already watched all three episodes and some of them were. And you ones. want me to watch The Crown? I can't, I just can't bring myself and I've to do it yet. That at least twice. Now I will. I will say this: that she begged me for a long time to watch Downton Abbey, and I finally watched Downton Abbey, and I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. So every night I'd be like, we were going to bed, and be like, hey, you want to watch one episode of Downton Abbey? She goes, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm like, and finally, you're like the perfect she, husband. <laughs> she is convinced that I would have the same experience with The Crown. I'm just trying to figure out if I care enough to to get involved. But anyway, well, the Crown, the Downton Abbey is is from the past. It's like history. I want to say late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, there was cars in Downton Abbey, so that'd be the 1900s. Right, but well, it started earlier in the 1800s and then it's progressed. But um, the Crown is a portrayal of what actually happened with the queen and now the current King Chucky um, is how I (laughs) refer to him. Um, And so there's a lot of, I think, we think this is how it happened. They, this is not factual stuff. Well, I'm, so I'm I still, always have to think of that. Like this, this is how they think this conversation I'm, happened. I'm they still don't know. trying to figure out if I care enough to give it a try, but I might give it a try for you, but cause I know you'd like to, and then we exp- could like, it's like a book club. No, like no, nope, nope. we could like have tea together nope, and discuss it. N- nope. <laughs> Never going to so happen. I don't go to book clubs cause I don't like reading. <laughs> you, if you invite me to a book club, that's going to be a hard no real fast. I'd be like, oh, that's so nice of you to include me. But no, because I, I'm not, that's not me. But, but the reality is you and I are never going to rub shoulders with kings and queens. No. And, and that's the whole idea. Jesus was the king of the Jews, yep. king of the world, savior of the world. And he was born and placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals and first visited by shepherds. If that doesn't shout that Jesus is for everybody, mm-hmm. I don't know what does. And then, you know, we're going to talk about the Magi in this upcoming sermon. And, and you know, there's a lot we don't know about them, but they came with some means, some wealth. Sometimes people refer to them as kings. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. They came with very expensive gifts. You might say they're kind of the rich and well-known and rub shoulders with all the famous people. And so here you have these this 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 spectrum. Yeah. You have right near, you have, Shepherds that would be among the poor, magi from the east among the rich, and they all came for Jesus. If that doesn't shout Jesus for everybody, I don't know what does. So it's just awesome. Right. It's just awesome. Yeah. And I love it. No, I think the magi brought um, what the Bible says, frankincense. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you know that you can get frankincense from like an oil? And it is like one of the most expensive oils. Yeah, I have some. You have frankincense? Yeah, I don't know if it's, um, well, I don't know if it's the real stuff. <laughs> is, it, is it the stuff that they brought Jesus? Right. <laughs> oh, of course you just have it right here. Oh my goodness. No, I don't, I mean. Why do you have this? Well, that's a long story. <laughs> no, no, this was a gift. This was given to me. So here is myrrh. Wow. Some of these haven't been opened. Now, now we, is, we actually do have, um, we actually have purpose for that really what this is is it's um um it's oil it's oil that's scented like this and so we we use it for anointing stuff you can 
anoint someone with frankincense? Well, it's it's really just more it's it's fragrant anointing oil, oh, and you know okay. we we do that when you know this is quite the setup here. When somebody requests prayer from the elders, the elders are very quick to respond, and it's that James what it says in James five, if any of you sick, you know, call upon the elders to pray and anoint with oil and. And, um, and we have done that. I mean, we, anytime anybody from the church calls upon the elders to come pray, they, they act quickly and our, our elders are prayer warriors and they, and so sometimes we'll use these oils and, and, and there's nothing special about the oil. It's, it's in the faith of the individual. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but can they request a certain oil? I don't think I mean, we've. Is that weird? I don't think we've ever given them the choice. I was going to say that's it not looks like this oil's been. Re- but let me tell you, it's uh, just this. I didn't plan to talk about this today, but some of those prayer times with people in our church where we've anointed with oil and they're going through significant things in their life are very meaningful, very powerful, and um, yeah, it's it's one of the works of the elders that that they do. A lot of people don't know about, you know, but they're very quick to respond to anybody who requests prayer. And um, that's another thing. Our, our elders and, and our staff, many people in our church, are praying for our church family on a daily basis. And But um, anyway, coming back to the shepherds, they do just shout that Jesus is for everybody. And I hope that we all remember this, this Christmas season. I hope it's loud and clear with all the noise and confusion and stressors of the, the Christmas season. We need to remember this truth. Yeah. Jesus is for everybody. And the shepherds, they were the first to respond to Jesus in faith, and then they went out and told the world, and we should do the same thing. We've received the good news, accept the invitation, follow through in faith, accept Jesus, and turn around and share that with the whole world. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood, not a car show.